Eagle Nation. You're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. All right, Eagle Nation, we are back. Thanks, as always, for listening to Gotta Talk. Uh, took a little bit of a hiatus uh, with the team there. Um, I think everybody needed it. Uh, a little mental uh, reset after that 41-14 to 14, um, embarrassing loss on national TV on October 14th. Um, and, uh, and yeah, back at it, obviously a, a ton to talk about. Um, not, uh, not just, you know, on the field football related, but just, uh, everything conference realignment. Finally, we've been teasing that for a few weeks. Uh, we finally have some answers there, right. To, to talk through. Um, so yeah, in, in the last week and a half, uh, Cody, you know, a, a, a ton on that front. Um, and then obviously maybe talk, some coaching search or at least, you know, kind of our thoughts on, you know, either who we want or who we don't want, uh, qualities in a coach that we're looking for. Um, and then, and then talk about, uh, this game coming up here, whether or not it's a rivalry, whatever you want to call it. Um, we do welcome Georgia state to Statesboro, uh, this Saturday, um, for a, a Sunbelt matchup. Um, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that game and then what it's going to take to get, uh, our third win of the season. Rivalry, what, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I, let's let's get right into it. I guess with conference realignment, right? So, obviously, kind of the hot topic across the entire college football landscape over the last ten to to fifteen days, right? Um, really ramping up in this last week, especially on the on the Group of Five front. Um, so. We'll jump, you know, we'll 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 jump completely forward here for a second. Talk about how it's going to affect Georgia Southern and largely the Sunbelt Conference. Going to say, are we going to do a synopsis all the way back? Then we'll Oklahoma do a synopsis. Yeah. Then, then then we'll yeah then we'll back it all the way up, blockbuster rewind style, and go to uh, to uh, the domino effect in Oklahoma and Texas, setting that off. So so the the how it affects the Sunbelt um, is that they basically came out of this so far unscathed right so losing no teams only adding teams so far only one of those we're recording this uh, late monday night one of those official in southern miss um southern mississippi so uh you know we'll talk a little bit about more about them in, in a second here but um the other three are expected uh to join either uh later this week or sometime next week um so those are uh, marshall another conference usa member um as well as old dominion um and it's uh, a country the, band right <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, the, the fourth one being FCS, um, Powerhouse, and James Madison. Former uh, president, University. James Madison. Yep, James Madison. So um, <laughs> throwing it back. So, uh, yes, all, all, all of that coming um, probably, like like I said, this week or next. You've got Marshall that's uh, uh, ushering in a new president that's supposed to be uh, released, I think, uh, Thursday, I believe. Um, and, and they wanted to wait on that before, for, you know, for, uh, first business, you know, day, day one when he gets in, we're moving conferences. Yeah, <laughs> Vote exactly. It, right? So, um, so that's coming. You've got, obviously, James Madison being an FCS member. They have to go through the formal trend um, um, transition right up to FBS so that has to get approved by like the state board of regions yeah, and all and this kind I of stuff. Yeah, I think they have like a yeah, they have to go through their state government and get all that yeah. approved. Yeah. 
Right. So, so we know how that is. And, um, yeah, so, so obviously, but, but it seems like that's pretty much a done deal. It's being reported almost everywhere, um, that, that the Sunbelt's adding those four schools. Um, so like I said, and not losing any. So now we'll, we'll talk more about those four schools here in a second, what it means for the Sunbelt, where it positions us in the group of five. Um, and yeah, you can kind of get to know, it's a huge um, our win new, for us. our new, co- it's a huge win. Yeah. Spoiler alert, but, but, uh, and, and, and yeah, and, and kind of where, um, yeah, just get to know our, our new conference, um, foes a little bit better here in a second, rewind it of, of everything else that's happened. And we'll kind of talk through that, um, less on the P five side, more when it gets into kind of other group of five conferences. Right. So all the way back domino effect oklahoma texas obviously we really are um, going to do the rewind <laughs> we're, we're going to do the rewind okay. yeah re- quick 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 recap uh oklahoma and texas announced they're leaving big 12 for the sec all right <clears throat> that, that's been known for a while um how's the big 12 going to respond big 12 responds by adding um four teams so you so you had basically a trend of uh when, when this domino effect started of two conferences replacing the teams they lost by just doubling the amount of teams <laughs> not not necessarily better teams <laughs> with yeah. with higher prestige or legacy or winning tradition just doubling the amount of teams more bodies in the room so uh, you you have uh, big 12 responds replacing oklahoma and texas with four teams um three of which came from the american um in cincinnati ucf and houston um the fourth uh independent and byu a team that we'll see november 20th um impulse and stadium um possibly the biggest uh, out of conference opponent to ever ever visit statesboro um <clears throat> so you have that then obviously that uh sends um the American looking for teams. So they do the same thing they did years ago, and that was raid Conference USA. So they raid Conference USA and get well, Florida Atlantic. Well, a big step now. They they went after the Mountain West first, and they got shot down. At True. least, and then, then, and of course this is all what's been said publicly, then they went to Conference USA. There's been rumors right. that they may have came to the Sun Belt and got shot down. I was about to say, down. yeah, we don't know if, yeah, we don't know if they, they, they called up, uh, Keith uh, Gill's, uh, you know, uh, phone either, right? I mean, um, so, yeah, so so we don't know what what happened kind of in between that. All we know is is you know finally someone answered, so someone uh, submitted their application, and that was Conference USA. So they take um, they replace those three teams that they lost with six teams in Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, uh, Texas San Antonio, Rice, and UAB. Um, so let's stop there um, and, and kind of talk about that. Um, obviously, I had mentioned the four teams at the Sun Belt um, is, you know, supposedly adding. We already know about Southern Miss. It's a done deal. Um, they're coming from Conference USA. Then, of course, you have Marshall and Old Dominion also come from uh, coming from conference usa so that conference almost completely gutted now um down to five teams um but of the aac's selections right of those six teams let's talk about that a little bit because we we haven't talked about this we we you know we we've texted back and forth a little bit we've obviously been following twitter and everything um and seeing what each of us retweet and tweet out but um we Cody and I have not talked about this at all. So I'd love to get your thoughts, Cody, just on the selection of those six teams to the American 
and kind of your thoughts on it. Cause, cause mine, I mean, I look at this list and it's kind of underwhelming, right? I mean, like you said, they, they might've gone other places <laughs> looking for better yeah. teams, but really like UAB is the only team that really stands out to me here. Um, obviously UTSA is having a great season. Um, but they that's had a, a one-off last year, but, but yeah, how they're, they're kind of that coastal Carolina, right? Is this, is this a, a one-hit wonder? Is this a staying power? And their power, coach right? is being rumored to go to the Texas Tech of vacancy right. that just came out what this weekend. Exactly. Yep. So, no, I, look, if you look at the three teams that left uh, the AAC, they were three teams that were in big markets, right? You had Cincinnati that left, Houston that left, and then Central Florida, which is in Orlando. So all schools were in big markets. They left. Um, now, you— they obviously are trying to go and play the big market um, strategy, which, which Conference USA already tried. Which Conference USA has already tried, and that failed. And then you look at the previous WAC, which is, again, Carl uh, Brinson used to be the commissioner, and they tried that strategy in the mid-'90s, and that failed. Uh, so this is a strategy that in recent history has not performed, has not has not done yeah. that well. Um, so it's interesting to see that that's where they're going. I think, to me, the reason why they took so many teams, with it being six, is that way if two or three fall, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, right? You know, if two or three fall or fail and two or three hit and they become these big kind of, you know, brands and, and they are able to capitalize on the market that they're in, well, then that's a win for the conference and they can, you know, sell it and, and, and go from there. Um but I think the the better strategy is what you saw out of the Sun Belt since about 2013 when they've added us and App and then Coastal. You get college football teams or college or colleges that have brands to them that have brands, uh, passionate fan passionate bases, fan bases. You know, good, fairly good facilities, great attendance numbers. You know, history and just history. and winning winning records and and, and has a winning legacy. And so I think, you know, they kind of copied that here, right? You look at, you know, Marshall and Southern Miss and James Madison and Old Dominion to a certain extent. Um, and I think I think that's going to be the better play. Um, you're already kind of seeing it as far as outsiders looking in saying, hey, I think after all the dust settles, the Sun Belt's going to probably come out as, the, if not the top group of five conference when all this kind of starts to go into effect in 2023 and 2024. Um and not just for football. I mean, you start looking at baseball. Yeah. This conference was already tough baseball-wise. You're looking at adding Southern Miss, who is a really good collegiate baseball school. Old Dominion was a top 16 seed team. 40-plus 40 plus, 40 plus wins last yeah, year. Yeah, so they were a very top, you know, big-time baseball school. You look at basketball, I think, with uh, Marshall and Old Dominion as well, being very competitive in that. James Madison. James, James Madison. Madison. Well, now in, we're about with, to get into a familiar, familiar yeah, coach. Familiar face. Familiar yeah. coach. Um, and then you look at softball. You look at softball in outside of the SEC, ACC. is really good, right? Uh, James Madison is really good. They were the yeah, only James team really that good, yeah. made Oklahoma, who was this, you know, this invincible softball team one of the best ever i think beat them once or twice and they eventually fell to them in, in the championship game but they actually were able to compete with what has been considered probably one of the best softball teams of all time um 
you look at what we already had in the conference with softball with Louisiana, with Louisiana. South Alabama, yeah. with uh, I think Troy also um, was in there. You had, I think, three or four teams from the conference last year in the tournament. Uh, so what's going to be interesting, I'll stop you because I know you're going to like segue away. Men's soccer, I know. So, like, we're in the MAC, right? We just joined the MAC. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Sunbelt does not. So, what happens there, right? I don't want to get off on like a big tangent, but obviously, you have Marshall, right? That just won the national championship um, in men's soccer. So, like, bringing in that, I, I don't know too much about Southern Miss. Or Old Dominion or James Madison in men's soccer, um, even or if like they have what it, leagues they belong to, or if they have it. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting. Do we have enough members I to think start a men's from soccer? From what league? I've heard, that with adding Marshall back into it, or adding Marshall to the conference, that if they decide to bring up men's soccer, they would have enough members to to form the Sun Belt Conference again. To where you get an automatic bid to the tournament. I think you have to have six. Which would be competitive. Like, right. That that yeah. would be a competitive well, league, I mean, I think. Honestly, and I think this is men's soccer is so, is so weird because it's so it's different than, than any of the other sports. Um, but we're in the MAC. The MAC is already a really competitive soccer yeah. conference, right? There's like three or four teams that are ranked in the top twenty five in the in, in from the MAC. Um, that we have to, to go up against. You know, you're not even talking about going up against Georgia State every year as well because they're in it. I think Marshall's in Conference USA or the ACC or something like that with their soccer team. Um, so I don't know if you really want to kind of try to reform the Sun Belt when it comes to a men's soccer league or, or men's soccer conference. Um, I almost think that probably just let it, stay where it's at for at least the next few years and see how it all kind of plays yeah, out. I think that's a longer, and then, I think that's and a longer then maybe deal. revisit it in like 10 years yeah. and say, Hey, do we really want to kind of do this thing again? Or I just no? kind of wanted to bring up, I want, I wanted to make that connection to Marshall. Yeah. You no, know, no, you're right. They, they did. You know, I, I think it is worth noting that they did just win a national championship in men's soccer, even though, um, yeah. What their group of five, was it have... a group of five championship? <laughs> right. Right. That's uh, joke, joke. That's a play against the football thing. Never mind, But, no, I mean, yeah, you're right. They're national championships. They went against some very, very powerful men's soccer brands and programs. Much like Coastal did in baseball, yep. right, yep. before they joined the Sun Belt. Yep. Yeah. So, um, no, they're top-notch. Again, I think yeah. you look at the four schools that are coming in, all have passionate, passionate fan bases. They're well-rounded. They're just they well-rounded across all sports. Um, they each kind of bring something different, right? I mean, you're not you're not going to get a conference full of teams that are just great at everything, um, but but they complement each other, right? Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I think you just can. We already had that, um, and we just added to it, right? You, yeah. You added, and, and when you, know, you look yeah. at it now, really, the kind of two schools now that don't really fit the conference um, is really Georgia State and Texas State. Um, yeah. Because those two schools just don't seem to have the passionate fan bases and don't really have the engagement that you have well they're in that the they're in the media they're in the yeah, media yeah. markets i mean i mean texas state yes i understand it's san marcos right but it, if you know that's right in between austin and uh san antonio right it's like literally right in between like less than an hour i believe between like each one uh maybe even like 30 or 45 minutes yeah. um so it's you know they're they're in the middle of of that hotbed uh, you know media market of of, of like austin and, and san antonio um where obviously georgia state we know <laughs> where they are so um yeah and i i think that's a good point i mean georgia state you know facility wise i don't think 
is high up on the list, uh, you know, in the conference. Well, they're getting um, we there. We all know where they play football. They're getting there. Um, I know they have the new basketball arena coming, right? And, and I think you know, they just the, redid uh, all their locker rooms, too. Yeah, right. So, I mean, they're, they they have the money, of course, um, to to get more competitive in that. Um, Georgia or Texas State has great facilities. They do. You know, they have probably the nicest football stadium um, in the conference, arguably. But, you know, they, they've got to field a more competitive, consistent team, right, yeah. to, to pack that place out. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, Southern Miss, history – Brett Favre, um, yeah, you know, but I mean, you know, yes, they've they've struggled the last couple of years, but ten I mean, years. There's is, a great article a on the Athletic yeah. that that showcases or goes through their last ten years of struggles, as well as highlights their history as to how good they used to be. Um, so if you want to look that up, go to the Athletic because it's it's a really good. But article honestly, I looked this. I looked it up, and they weren't as bad as you think they were, right? I mean, it's because they used to be really good and they used to be one of the better yeah. you know even back then it wasn't like group of five but back then they were that you know other tier they, they were one of the yeah, better teams prior, in that, right? prior to probably um, the year 2000 or 2010 you could probably say they were the best football program in the state of mississippi over mississippi state and Ole miss yeah i mean that's that's a that's a that's a i mean that's not hyperbole that's not trying to right. to you know pump up anything no they they were consistently a better football playing record over Ole Miss. But between uh, Mississippi State, I looked up is actually their like rival is listed right. Then they had a home and home with them, and I believe fourteen and fifteen. Fifteen was in uh, in um, Hattiesburg, uh, Mississippi, and that was uh, to date their largest crowd. Um, I had like thirty seven thousand people or something there, um, <clears throat> and. And yeah, and and uh, I think I don't know if they won that game or not. Um, but I looked up the record, and if Mississippi State owns it, it's by like one win. It's like it's like uh, like fourteen to, okay. to uh, thirteen or something like that with like a tie mix in there. Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, they're competitive, and and like I said, I I com- like I defaulted because it's just recent memory bias, right? Yeah, like you remember the last couple years. Obviously, they just hire Will Hall this year. Um, by all accounts, most people think that's going to be a good hire that he's going to turn them around. Um, you know, he's got that Southern accent. He's, he's, yeah, uh, he, and he understands the expectations guy. He did not there. play for Southern Miss, but he knows, yeah, he knows the recruiting area very well. He knows the expectation. He's, yeah, I, I think he's kind of that. I mean, probably a bad analogy, but like that Ed Orgeron, right? Of of like he can rally, he can rally that team um, that to, to get them mix. back to their winning ways. But you know, I, I had I had this I had this mindset that like, oh, they've, they've yeah. just sucked for like the last ten years. But like between fifteen and nineteen, they went to four bowl games in five seasons. So you know, I mean, now now they weren't ever they were like mediocre. They were basically like what we were turning around, you know, under Lunsford. They were they were a six to eight win football team, and they only went one and three in those bowl appearances between 15 and 19 but you know i yeah so i mean you know their last winning season was 2019 um you know they fire their coach last year they bring in will hall yeah this isn't you know this isn't a a bottom feeder team you know this isn't a umass or new mexico you know uh new mexico state like this is a team that i think can be turned around fairly quickly and be you know a a really competitive team in the sun belt once they enter no no you're right you're right by the time that they get it into the conference, they could be really competitive. Same, really, with any of the four teams. You know, it, it wasn't that too long ago that 
us and Old Dominion were fighting it out in the FCS playoffs. And I believe their quarterback is, is yep. still is in the NFL playing for, for the Washington football team. Taylor yeah. Heineke, yeah, yep. Collins Hill so, High School. Yeah. You know, and and they had their own success when they jumped up to uh, FBS in 2013 and 2014. Um, I think they came close to winning Conference USA once in either 2016 or 2017. Um, so it's not like they can't come in here and be competitive. And obviously we know about Marshall and what they can do, uh, as well as James Madison. Um not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but probably their head coach is probably not going to be our head coach now with them jumping up. Uh, but no, I think I, I, I don't, I can't see any negatives in, in the four teams that we've added. I think it, it suits us and positions us as a conference to take off um, and to, and really kind of grab that, that mantle as being the top group of five conference um, going forward, not just in football, but really, when you look at baseball and softball, for sure. Um, and then I think basketball. Yeah. Basketball has always been a very tough con- – I mean, a, a very, like, tough sport in this conference to really gain or, or gauge any success. Um, Georgia State has had its run a few years, and they've had their plenty of upsets um, in the tournament. But, you know, competitively overall, when you look at the Sun Belt basketball-wise, it's just – you just it's just blah. Um so we'll yeah. see how that develops over the next few years when when these fourteen or when these four teams get added, um, but at least football, softball, baseball, those three for sure, we can. Well, I think James Madison will be a good add for basketball. It's an I think Old Dominion, if especially yeah, yeah, it's, if it's a rival, I think there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Dominion, I know they've made the tournament you know, a couple times, um, you know, and then I'm not sure about Southern Miss um, or Marshall. You know, I don't really remember anything from them on the basketball front. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah I, I agree. I think, you know, from a football standpoint, I, I I think we, if if we're not the best group of five conference now, we're dang near close to it. I mean, we're literally just waiting basically until like all the chips fall, right, to see where it shakes out and like where everyone is in 2023 and when all this takes effect, right? Um, it, but, but yeah, I mean, I think it's an upgrade um, for sure. Certainly not losing mm-hmm. any teams, you know, as of, of now is huge. Um, because yeah, you look at the American, I mean, they, they lost their Texas and Oklahoma, yeah. right. In, in, in the three teams that they lost and Cincinnati, UCF and, and Houston, those were, that was the backbone of that conference. You can maybe argue Memphis, right. And um, SMU and some people was were surprised they didn't get the invite. Um, SMU. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're ranked this year. Right. And, and I believe they were ranked last year and then they're starting to gain prominence again. Obviously we know their history, right. Um, but Mm -hmm. good and bad, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting of, of the direction that conference USA went versus Sunbelt went. And I think it's going to be, you know, in, in five years, seven years time, going to be really interesting to look back and see, okay, you know, who actually made the yeah. right decision. Um, and, and right now, I, I would say it's the Sunbelt. Yeah, and I'll tell you something else that the right. Sunbelt did. You know, there's been a lot of discussion as to why would you add four teams? Why wouldn't you just keep it at two with Southern Miss and Marshall? And I think a lot of, the, and yeah. I think a lot of that argument teams. is because with 14 teams, now you're having to share more revenue money, which means that you could actually be taking less than what we did under 10 or with 12. And to me, the first thing that comes to mind is – when you have an opportunity to put a competitor away for good, you take it. 
And by adding these four teams, you go ahead and you put the nail in the coffin for Conference USA. Um, Matt kind of mentioned it earlier, but I don't think there's really any coming back for Conference USA. I think they're done. The other five teams, I think two have been rumored to go to the MAC, and the other three, I haven't really heard anything rumors about them. Um, the two that I've heard, yeah, so, Kentucky, so Western Western Kentucky, yep. Middle Tennessee State, yeah. is, is what you're referencing. Is is uh, rumored to go to the MAC. UTEP rumors that maybe Mount West takes them. Um, you know, but, yeah. but we'll see. Uh, obviously, all, all this is just rumors. Um, if that happens, yeah. you're completely done. Because, like I said, they had they had five teams left. You got Louisiana Tech sitting <laughs> out there all alone. You got uh, Florida International sitting down. Yeah, in which Miami our friends down alone. there in Louisiana um, are having a time with the. Uh, just uh, such a time. They are having the best <laughs> week of their life. They are. Um, it's quite funny because I feel like that would be like how we would react if we, if we could if Georgia State was left out to dry. Um, to be honest with you, it is, which, which leads us into <laughs> yes. our, our conversation later, rival whether or not. or not they're a rival. Um, yeah, absolutely, because yeah. we would be ecstatic. Uh, but no, I I think and to me that's the bigger point. Yeah, we may have to take home a little bit less money in maybe the first year or two. There's also been rumors that ESPN is going to up how much money we take. So made it easier for the presidents to decide on the 14. Um, but that's just rumor and hearsay. Um, but to me, the biggest thing is if you can take out Conference USA and and, and and put a nail in that coffin, then you have to take it. Otherwise... Yeah, you make it a group of yeah. four, and then you possibly cement yourself as... if. If not the best group of, uh, you know, uh, whatever, non-power yeah. five conference, Autonomous. Um, then the second yeah. best, right? Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Like, like you go for the kill shot there and, um, you know. Plus it's, it's payback. Um, they tried to do that to the Sun Belt 10, 10 12 years yeah. ago. Um, so, no, I mean, again, this is a, a strategy that Carl Brinson um, had developed in 2013 you see uh commissioner gill follow through with that um and you see kind of the payoffs for it you know we've i think we've positioned ourselves as a conference as good as as you could imagine you talk about southern miss so southern miss and uab were the only remaining original members of conference usa right so you talk about like loyalty and stuff some people say you know southern miss was passed over kind of last time conference realignment happened where, you know, they didn't get picked up by the AAC. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think, I think getting, getting the teams that we did, um, it's, yeah, it's a win. It, it like you said, it's, it's looking long-term, it's looking, you know, five-year, 10-year plan instead of just, um, you know, short-term, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic with it. Um, I'm fine bringing the four teams, uh, you know, the one rumor with, Dominion. I think that was the one that like people, even more so than James Madison, it seemed like more people were kind of like head scratching on Old Dominion um, over uh, over any yeah. else that we added, right? Um, and obviously, you know, that probably comes just from the football well, standpoint. I, you know, since I think they it moved made, up to FBS, they have not I think, been competitive. I think Marshall, James Madison, Old Dominion were was was like a That's what you I was take one, you take all. They had a pact. Which is interesting because I didn't really realize that they were like close. Well, I guess close you know, geographically. Like, wise, I mean, I, I know. 
they're they're close geographically, but I don't think they're necessarily considered rivals. But maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, and and like, I mean, I know obviously that was kind of the deal with us and App, right? I mean, going to Sunbelt, it was like yeah. a package deal. And um, and you know, I'm I'm seeing stuff on Twitter that even on like the message boards of Georgia State of <laughs> the excuses they're making of like, oh, well, we can't go anywhere without <laughs> Southern, you know, because who's going to bring fifteen thousand fans to our stadium? Um, you know, so like, it's. It's it's interesting of how like you know, programs get kind of coupled off like that, but I I wouldn't I was surprised when I when I saw that rumor about uh, about Marshall Old Dominion because I wouldn't have yeah. thought that um of of anybody I would have you know maybe thought like I don't know Western Kentucky or I, I don't know, you know somebody else um to Marshall you know not yeah I mean Old Dominion, yeah I don't know but, I think it's just um, a way to keep travel yeah. costs down is what they were kind of mainly going after and to. And for their fans to kind of go back and forth yeah. to. Uh, so I think yeah. that was the, the spearhead or the thought on that. Um, but no, I mean, regardless, it's it's still, you know, it's going to be a competitive league. Um, it all, it, it, it makes the decision that Jared Binko has for next head coach that much more important. Um, because now it's whoever we bring into, we have to be competitive you know, not just in a group of five conference, but probably the top group of five conference in football. And so if we don't bring in a good coach, we're quickly going to get left behind in that aspect of it. And we really, you know, the decision has to be made and has to be the right one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Real quick, I was going to say geographically, um, this is kind of interesting of the conference. I saw some people talking out there like, oh, this doesn't really fit like Sunbelt. But like, I mean, we're, we're pretty packed together. So how, you know, let's, let's talk, you know, in, in a hypothetical that these uh, final three teams go through, right? We get to, uh, we get to um, 12 teams uh, or 14 teams, sorry. Um, and we now looking at East and West and what that looks like, right? So the consensus is, obviously this isn't finalized, but the consensus is that Troy would move from the East to the West, right? Um, so we would lose Troy <clears throat> from the East, but we would add um, Marshall, Old Dominion, and James Madison. The West would get the addition of Troy and Southern Miss. Um, so from a divisional standpoint, you know, you've got obviously seven teams in each division. Um, the thinking mm-hmm. is probably face all six division opponents every year, right? And then maybe two to three opponents from the other yeah. division um, and then have, uh, you know, three to four non-conference games um, is, is, is what I kind of expect. Um, let's talk about that real quick because I think the East was already – the the toughest the tougher of the two divisions I think by far and obviously getting a little bit more competitive now with you know with South Alabama and ULM coming out of nowhere right under Terry Bowden and Rich Rod but yeah I, I think it's safe to say that that the East is is right now the better of the two divisions I think they've just got better oh yeah <laughs> right, no right? I with think the, with, with, with these no additions. doubt I think the, the yeah. East got got significantly better. Um, there's no indication that James Madison can't come in and can start competing right away, uh, much like we did and, and much like App did. Uh, granted, they'll, they'll have to take a couple years to get up to scholarships, uh, but they have a good head coach. They, they're a historically uh, good program. Um, they should probably start competing almost instantly. 
uh, Marshall. We know what Marshall is. Don't be competitive. Um, and then, again, Old Dominion may be the only question mark as far as an Eastern team comes in that may or may not struggle um, football-wise. Uh, you look at uh, in the West with Southern Miss. Again, like you said, recently they've had their their downturn. But, again, they have the coach in place that understands the expectations and is in the process of trying to turn that program around from what it, from what it is. I think by 2023 they could be – in that top. Well, now that they can sit there like and the say division, that they're in yeah. the Sun Belt, you know, I think that's going to be a, a better recruiting pitch, right? You, know, you come in here. You're going to play on ESPN gonna, and not Facebook exactly. Live. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. again, they could they could elevate and, and, and be a, a dominant program again by the time 2023 comes around. But right now, October 25th, 2021, it looks like the East is going to be a much more dominant football division than what the West has. Um, again, yep. this is two years out, so you have no idea what kind of coaching changes and who's going to come in or who's going to go out. Obviously, that can change. I don't expect all 14 coaches who are here now today at their schools to still be here at 2023, oh, no. um, especially probably the guys at uh, yeah, Chadwell. Yeah, they could probably be gone to, to other greener and bigger and better pastures. But um, again, Looking at it today, I think the East is going to be the dominant division. Of course, we could be eating our words and saying, man, I don't know if there's one good team here in two or three years, but I highly doubt that. With the with the teams that have been bringing in place, that fans' expectations for each program, year in and year out, it's going to I mean, be a since grind. Since we've had divisions, which is what? I mean, since 2018? Or 17, 2018? I was going to say 17, but maybe 18. Yeah, I mean, the East has dominated, right? I mean, yeah. they've been the best. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be, in, and, and especially like in, in top down, right? I mean, you just have those Well, yeah, see, that's the thing. You're like going to have a West. team that's going to finish last or next to last, and you're going to have a very irate fan base regardless. I mean, th- that's what I think is so great about being in this conference is that there's not really a program – outside of Georgia State and Texas State that are going to be acceptable of finishing anything lower than second in their division. Right. So you're going to have year in, year out, fans chirping and going and, and saying it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Um, even if our teams are the ones that happen to be in the middle of the pack or close to the bottom. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, you feel good about conference realignment? Anything else to? No, no. We'll we'll. It'll be exciting when we get to actually see them on our schedule and 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 get to get our season tickets and see who's all coming and and where all we get to go. I did all this research on like where all the schools are located, and I, I will say this. So I I, I, found, I found it interesting that um you know we I, I I will say that when with the old Dominion debate. And with all the rumors going out there of like the Sunbelt might get aggressive and add teams and, um, you know, see how everything, how the dominoes fall. Uh, And then people were mad about Old Dominion coming in. At one point, I was interested in in Liberty only, only because of the on the fields, right? Only because of athletics, right? Obviously, there is, you know, a lot going on outside of athletics and a dark cloud kind of over that school um but you know with i i think you know, i saw some people bring that up with like the old dominion debate oh i'd rather have liberty and 
athletically, I, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's um, yeah. That the, would be... the issues with Liberty doesn't have to do with anything athletic-wise within the right. programs. Now, you may you have your you probably have your grievances with Hugh Freeze. You either hate him or you love him. That's kind of how that goes with him. Um, but yeah, their issues is more on the lines of their administration and really the kind of the family that that has started that university and continues to run that university. Um, right. I know I think we still follow their their fan um, podcast and, and Sea of yeah, Red. Sea yeah, Sea of Red. And, you know, I think you, you kind of hear their frustrations come out in some of this of not getting selected. Um, and they understand why. Um, and I think they... I think if you were to ask them, they would want to either be in our conference or AAC. Uh, yeah, because the rumors are that they've already turned down Conference USA, yeah, right? Yeah, and they've already grasping at straws right now. Yeah, trying to stay afloat. Well, honestly, right, it, with, that, yeah. if they were to join Conference USA at this point, um, that would be a not just a step down, but probably like five steps down for them. I, they should oh, rather yeah, be a huge downgrade, um, independent, and, and schedule three AAC or three ACC teams. And they want to be. I've said this before. They want to be Notre Dame. Yeah, right? no, you're it's right. going to take a long time to get there, but they've got the money to do it and they want to get to a point where they don't need a conference where they're there you know and, and again it's a it's a long it's a long game um but but they want to get where they're you know constantly having seasons like they did last year and getting ranked and getting relevance and all of that yep. they've got the facilities they've got you know the money um and and yeah get to the point where it's like a Notre Dame where other conferences big conferences even power five conferences are saying hey yeah, come, come join, join us. us and they're saying nah no thanks yeah we got our tv deal we've got all this right that's where they want to get and and I mean if it wasn't for some of those other things and that kind of black eye or dark cloud hovering over everything, including athletics. And, you know, I, I think they would have a pretty good shot to get there fairly quickly. Uh, but un- unfortunately that other stuff is happening and, and definitely should, should, yeah, it and, it, and it definitely outweighs anything that you yeah, could profit from, you know, athletic wise. Uh, and I mean, even, I mean, it's, you even see fans even saying, you know, don't schedule them or, or, or if we have to, 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 you know, cancel those future plans. Um, that's kind of how bad some of these stories are coming out about this administration and some of the ways the university has handled certain subjects and certain uh, crimes that have happened on the university. So, yeah. you know, again, uh, when it comes to this sort of stuff, it's not just athletics that these conferences look at. It's the whole picture. And uh, that's that's as Matt alluded to, that's why Old Dominion is in there and not uh, Liberty. Yeah. And, you know, um, in looking at that, I was trying to look, think of like conference fit and everything, not just like athletics, but like footprint of the school, obviously like geography, right? Um, and, you know, Liberty is right there in Virginia, right? Um, not far from James Madison, um and, and not far from Old Dominion for that. No, matter. and they're actually a rival to Coastal. Coastal and Liberty were big yeah. rivals in the Big South and back in the FCS, um, back when they were both in FCS days. So yeah. it would have been a natural rival for Coastal. There's a lot about Liberty that makes sense for them to come to the Sun Belt, but they just nobody wants to be attached to them because of what's going on with their administration and in, in some of the the unfortunate stories that are coming out about this about what's going yeah. on there um and rightfully and and honestly rightfully so 
with with you know looking at Old Dominion and James Madison, I thought one of those two were were a private institution and and possibly religious affiliated. They are not. Um, so so everyone we added are all public institu- institutions. And here's a trivia question for you, Cody. Um, of the four that that the Sunbelt will likely you know ultimately add. What would you say, like student body wise, would be the smallest university? Student body wise, that we're adding, yeah. Marshall mm-hmm. Southern is. I would say Old Dominion. Old Dominion. So, Old Dominion is they're either the largest, oh, wow. or the second largest. Um, so they're twenty five thousand students. Okay. So right, right in line with Georgia Southern. Yeah. Um, you've got Marshall is the lowest. Oh. Yeah, Marshall's only 13 less than 13,000 students. Really? At Marshall. Yeah. That's surprising. And then, uh, yeah. Southern Miss is 146. Now see Southern um, Miss I thought would be closer to 20,000. Did that? I thought so too. I thought so too. And then you go to Old Dominion, um or I said Old Dominion was uh 25,000. James Madison um is 22,000. Okay. So the two the two two schools that I thought were possibly private schools or, you know, again, religious affiliated or, or something like that or not. They're public institutions, um, you know, both in the state of Virginia and, uh, yeah, and, and 22,000 and, and, and 25,000. So, um, yeah, found that interesting. That is interesting. Did not realize so, that. Because, I mean, I, for, for those, for many of the people listening to this, right, you remember the Southern Conference days. You remember when Georgia Southern was uh, the kind of outlier along with App State, uh, maybe like Western Carolina, I think had like 12,000, 11,000 students. Um, but everybody else, you had Wofford, you had Elon, Furman, um, Furman right? With like 1,500 students, right? We, we, Co- Cody, we had uh, twice that many in our high school, <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, it was, it was crazy to think that we were in the conference with some of these like teeny tiny schools. Um, and, and that's the other thing that's uh, the final point I'll make, but with the stadiums of these places, we got upgrades. I mean, you talk about like fan experience going in, especially if these teams get, you know, better, like your Southern Miss and things like that. Um, you know, <clears throat> Southern Miss Stadium, MM Robert Stadium, it's nicknamed The Rock. So that's interesting, right? So you've got two, you battle got two of the rocks rock. on, on, on each, yeah, Battle of the Rock, and you got two rocks in each, or one rock in each division now. Um, 36,000 capacity. You know, that's a big stadium. It is. Um, you got Marshall, 38,000, right? Um, you know, uh, Old Dominion, not sure what, let's see, they are 22,000. Um, so, you know, a little smaller than Paulson, but but not by much. Um, and, uh, and what, we had Marshall, right? James Madison. Did we say James No, Madison? we haven't said James Madison. That's the one that we haven't. Okay. Uh, I don't have that up, so <laughs> we don't know what James Madison uh, is. We don't know what James Madison is, but anyway, and I, they, I mean, there's, I, I want to say it's around, it's like twenty plus. It's, I mean, it's, it's good because, like, I know people had talked about um, the 
whether or not they were ready, obviously they've you know won several national championships. They had Mike Houston, which uh, went to East Carolina, right? Um, and they uh, they've got a super. We talked about the fan base. They got a super passionate fan base. They're twenty four. They're almost twenty five thousand capacity. Um, so, and, and, and that's a beautiful stadium. I mean, look it up bridge, bridge fourth stadium, um, <clears throat> in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And, uh, and yeah, re- really pretty area of the country. Um, it's going to be so, really cool. So weird for capacity our fan base to be able to, on Wikipedia, 24,877. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And I mean, yeah. So from 2010, um, up to 2011, so they increased the capacity. There were um, 15,000, 15,600, and jumped up to 24,800. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, talk, not just passionate fan bases, but um, fans that are actually going to, unlike the team that we play this Saturday, um, fans that will actually show up, right? Yeah. And, and when you say 15,000, 17,000, 22,000 attended, they actually they actually went there were butts in the seats yeah so that's that's exciting that we're adding teams like that and 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 not more teams like a Georgia State that are going to inflate those numbers and you know which a lot of those six teams that the American added you know that's, that's what they the do that they're in so yep um cool so do we want to go coaching we want to go right into state yeah it's up to you I mean um All right. I've I, yeah it's whatever you want to do okay um. So real quick on coaching, um, I had my list of, I you know obviously we've got plenty of time right now where we're entering November. Rumors are going to start ramping up, right? Yep. Um, we've got uh, you know um, recruiting coming up here pretty soon, but as we know with fall recruiting, like there's not much you can do because unless we like hire someone that is not currently with a team um, at any level, you know, including NFL, you know, um, then it's uh, where we just kind of have to go through it with our current staff um, and, and hope for the best come spring. Right. Um, that's, that's the, one of the downsides of the um, two times a year recruiting season with, with the bulk of it being in the fall um, is that if you're going through a coaching change, you're kind of SOL. Yeah. Right? No, no, um, you're right. It sets you back. So, um, but yeah, all that coming up. Um, we've obviously we'll have plenty of time to talk through like our wish list, who we want, um, things like that. I developed a list of just three coaches, mainly based on just the um, the cadence that I'm hearing, you know, uh, from our fan base on message boards on social media. Um, the three coaches that I do not want, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, which kind of, of, of those hit on some key points, all share some similarities, but kind of hit on like three areas of the qualities that I don't want in our next head football coach. Right. Um, so I can go through those, Cody, if you want, Yeah, go or wait. Yeah, okay. So, number three, again, top three coaches that, you know, names I'm hearing most often that... Uh, that Matt does not I want. Wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that I would be absolutely <laughs> devastated. Actually, the, the, the first two I think I would, and I'll elaborate, or like the number one and number two I would be, and I'll elaborate on why. This, this first one, number three, this, this goes in order of like 
the number one is the worst. Like if, if number one happens, I will be upset. Okay. So no, <clears throat> number three is Brian Bohannon at Kennesaw state. Um, you know, this is related to the flex option. Um, I feel like we are stepping backwards. If we go into that, I feel like while we could win under that system, I don't think that we're currently built as a team to run it. Um, this is taking nothing away from coach Bohannon and what he's been able to do at Kennesaw building that program from the ground or up. saying that he could could not win here. I think he could. Or saying that he could not win. Yeah, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like in what what he represents, what he brings, right? It's going back to the Munkin tree, going back ultimately to the Paul Johnson tree, kind of admitting to ourselves like this is all we're going to be. We've got to be uh you know, a flexbone option. But by doing that, it's it's again, our team's currently not built for it. Um, I think we are better positioned to transition to like an RPO, um, even like a spread passing, just something more modern um, and could do so more quickly than going back to flex. And I, th- I do think we would have more leeway, uh, maybe more benefit of the doubt, at least from some of our fan base if we brought in someone like Bohannon. Um, where if we didn't have immediate success first year, maybe even the second year, they give them a longer leash. Um, but where, you know, we bring in an air raid guy and like the first time, you know, yeah. <laughs> we get blown yeah. out or something. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But I just, I just think while we could in say, let's say two or three years from now after bringing him in, be competitive, possibly even compete and win, some belt championships, which we're trying to do, maybe finally get ranked, you know, probably not make a run at, uh, you know, New Year's Six Bowl, but 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 be competitive, be relevant. I think we could do it, but I think you're setting us back ultimately for that long term no, plan, that long term right. vision we talk about. Yeah, you. and and how I would how I would say that is 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 if all you're concerned about is maybe winning the the division every now and again and competing for a conference championship every now and again. Okay. That's fine. Um, I think if we're looking long-term big picture, if we want to try to set ourselves up for the next conference realignment, 10, 15 years from now, um, especially if this conference does jump up the way that I think you and I are thinking it should. And maybe some of these teams within the conference can be the next ones that get the, the, the power five offers. Um, then I think this holds us back from that, um, that style of offense. I think uh, when you look at that, you're going to not want to bring in a team that just runs what many consider a high school offense. Whether you agree with that or not, that's the perception that that offense has. Um, and so I think, as you just alluded to, where we're at now is a great point to jump to a more I want to say flashier offense, but a more modernized offense that can compete across all groups of of college football. And it doesn't mean that we have to do what everyone else is doing. Like no, I know that's no, no, like no. What, what people are saying. Like, oh, let's just do the same thing that like Alabama yeah. and Clemson I like doing what Drew Connick like, does up there in Mercer. To be honest with you, I think yeah, that's yeah. I do too. I do too. And and that, that's a name that obviously we've talked about, you know, but between us and, and has, has since surfaced, uh, you know, online, unfortunately, once his name surfaced yeah. of even being in, and we kind of spoke out on, on, on Twitter about it, of, of him being 
uh, a possible candidate or kind of a dark horse candidate, um, they go and get shellacked by VMI. <laughs> uh, like, ironically, another spread option team, yeah. right? Um, by 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 a much older kind of head coach. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, but, but they did win. I, I think I saw they, they beat Wofford, I believe. They did. Um, they shellacked you know, Wofford. They didn't, they, they, they beat them. Yeah, I think, big, I think yeah. they did. And yeah, so, um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see, you know, obviously their only losses this year, Alabama and VMI. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But I mean, he, you know, um, and, and, and Drew Chronic had success, uh, every level, much like Fritz, right? Every level he's been at, he's just won, and he's turned around programs, much like Fritz did. So that that's an interesting name, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, I think, yes, we could run a system like that. We could run, um, you know, RPO, obviously, is, is the, you know, the, the, the trending, you know, yeah. shiny object that everybody's talking about. Um, there's a lot of versions and, and, and stuff of that. So we could do something like that. Um, yeah, I'm not saying we go Mike Leach, you know, air raid, but we, uh, there's, there, there's a system we can run that's a more balanced as a better fit for the current personnel and bringing in recruits where, again, if, if we bring in flex and it doesn't work out, we're setting ourselves back in my opinion. Yeah. Look at Georgia tech way further, right? That rebuild, no one's going to be happy with that like i mean we we obviously we're we're a fickle fan base we we don't give coaches you know a a, a long leash or you know a, a long time to prove themselves and if if we commit we're basically going all in i mean mm-hmm. we are going all in on you know the poker table of um this is what we are this is what we want to be this is what we're going to be whether we like it or not for the next like decade because even if it doesn't work out and after like three years we're like okay Bohannon didn't work out or any other insert flex coach here right any of them if it doesn't work out after two or three years we're looking at at a minimum three or four years before we're even getting competitive again um, because of the the recruits that we've brought in to run that system and they they're not going to be able to run anything else and and yes I get it we went from Hatcher to Jeff Munkin. We went from, you know, bubble screen, hatch attack to flexbone, Paul Johnson triple option under an assistant coach who'd never been a coordinator or much less head coach. And Jeff Munkin, he comes in and makes us pretty relevant almost immediately, right? In 2010, that was an FCS. You're not going to be, be able honest, to do those that first and eight games that. under Munkin, we were four and four. You know that didn't that all didn't start to really come together till the end of the season. Then you really started right. it popped when we beat App State, who was number one at the time, in, in Paulson. And then you really right. saw. And this is against Western Carolina and Chattanooga. Yeah, right. We're not going to be no. able to do that. That's not the same thing as even an Arkansas State and Troy and you know South no. Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like right, it's just not. So um, fans are delusional if they think that like we can just bring in just overnight like. Do no. 2009 to 2010 No, recruiting has got to be on the forefront. Whoever we bring in has got to – we have to hope that they are the best recruiter in the conference. I mean, or can get there quickly because we've got to be able to put bigger, faster, stronger guys on the football field than anybody else that we have in the Sun Belt. So interesting you say that. My number two <laughs> is uh, – of, of coaches I do not want is Del McGee. Ooh, now, now this – Now Del McGee – no, now now Del McGee again. It's nothing against Del McGee as a person or as a coach. You know, obviously he 
has had success, the current, uh, you know, um, run game coordinator and running backs coach at the University of Georgia. Um, he is, uh, you know, he's never been a coordinator. Um, he has been, I guess, technically a head coach at the, <laughs> um, at the collegiate level um, with one game, right, uh, with us in the GoDaddy Bowl um, in 2015. And, uh, you know, a, a game in which we dominated Bowling Green. Um, and, of course, everyone was clamoring for him to, to be head coach then after Willie Fritz left. Um, and we decided not to um, and hired a guy named Tyson Summers instead. <clears throat> but it, you know, to me that ship has sailed, like, frankly. Like, it's it's nothing against Del McGee. It's where he's at now. Again, all these bring different factors. We could get Brian Bohannon. We could double his salary easily, right? Uh, bring him in, bring in the flex, bring his entire staff with him, right? Guy that built a program from the ground up. We could do that. We could commit financially sound. Del McGee, he's making around, what, 800000 at the University of Georgia coaching running backs. One of the top recruiters in the country. We just saw with Lunsford that doesn't necessarily result in being a great head coach. He has never been a true head coach at the collegiate level. He's never been a coordinator at the collegiate level. He coached Carver Columbus High School um, from 2005 to 2012. I believe won some state championships. Very turned well, them around. Though. Very well. Yeah, did did very well, right? Um, much like Kevin Whitley and, and what he was able to do at the high school level. That obviously doesn't always translate. We, you know, sometimes it does, but a lot of times it doesn't. So you're talking since 2012, you know, he's been at the collegiate level. Analyst for Auburn, running backs coach for us, 2014-15 under Fritz, um, and then been with Georgia ever since. He was their assistant head coach. I'm not saying that he hasn't learned things from Kirby Smart, but what I'm saying is to bring him in, unless he's willing to either make the same amount of money or even less to get that opportunity – you're paying this man a lot of money and you're someone who's frankly just unproven. Here's, um, you don't know if you can have that sustained success, you know, as, as a head coach at the FBS level. Okay. Good. I'm going to disagree with you on Del McGee. Um, I think if he was going to be the one that we hire, I think that would be a great head coach. Um, I think it'd be a good hire. I was sitting here thinking about it today and I think, just about every running back that he has coached since 2014 has been in the NFL. That's a huge selling point when you can go on the recruiting trail. He took a, a, a Matt Breida, who was a small, fast, skinny kid from Florida, and made him into an NFL product. How much recruiting is the head coach actually doing, though? Because that was the same argument we made about Lunsford. Well, Lunsford well, was regarded, I mean, he was one right. of the recruiting the, coordinator the, all The head coach can't really go and, and be on the recruiting trail. I think there's certain rules as to limits as to what they can do. I think it's like one visit or whatever. But again, that one visit, he can he can sell he can sell it. You know he can sell it. You know he can sell the program and you know he's a great recruiter. And he can sit there and he can you know but brag can about can he well, can he, can he, game he can plan. definitely catch can he co- can he coach in game? Can he make adjustments? Can he I don't know he, he did pretty good right in the, the Go Daddy Bowl. I mean, I mean, if you're looking at it, it may be one a, game sample it's, size. It's, well, it was against at that time a, a top 
group of five team in Bowling Green that nobody thought we could even compete in that game after the debacle that we had a month earlier against Georgia State. I think Dale McGee, if he was the guy that was hired, I think he would be a, a great fit. He doesn't have to be end-all, be-all when it comes to offense and defense. I think it's going to probably be who would he bring in to run the offense, what kind of offense would he want to run, um, how how does he want to grow this program, where does he see the issues within the program that need to be addressed, whether it's indoor practice facility or this, that, and the other. What would his vision be for the program, and how could he take it to to where the tradition and the legacy goes from not just being an FCS powerhouse, but now being the top group of five powerhouse, and how can he continue that and move forward? I think he could do that. And, and there's nothing – and like you said, he's been with Kirby Smart for a while, so he's seen how to, to take a program right. that, that was a consistent 10-win program under Mark Rick and take it and build it better. I'm not saying that he couldn't do it. I'm saying that it's a big risk for the investment, right? It's, it's a, it's a scared money don't make money. Investment. I understand that, but I feel like there are better options out there than, than spending not, uh, okay, close okay, okay. to a million dollars right. on an assistant if coach saying that there's... coordinator who you have like a infatuate, like as a fan base, we are, um, you know, in love with just because he won us a bowl, our first bowl game in 2015. Like it's, it's it, like no one on the current team knows Del McGee. No, you're right. No one knows him. They, they, they might have heard his name in the Twitterverse or on Facebook or whatever, because our fans are clamoring for him and they went and looked him up. They might know him from the high school level. Maybe, you know, they played at Carver Columbus. Maybe they, I don't know, you know, but like they, they might know him from like small circles like that, but it's, it, they didn't know him when he was at Georgia Southern. He was only there for two years. You know, it's, 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 I, I think fans have, it's, it's not a recency bias. I, I like, it's just interesting because like we, we cling on to these things of like what's worked, you know, bring Munkin back, bring PJ back, bring, you know, and, I didn't and say like, that with, no, I know, but 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 there are fans. I'm not saying, but there are fans that are saying that. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, and and this is such a small sample size. I mean, yes, he's had success everywhere he's been. Basically, you know, he. But at at Georgia, you've got the world at your fingertips. You're right, and I will end it with you this. Know, like, I, I it's will say not this. that hard to recruit the top running backs in the country at the University of Georgia. Like I'm, I'm not like. No, you're right. It, you're right. It's not hard to because Georgia's had a a long history of of having great running backs come through that program. But when you can sit here and say that I've developed these running backs, even going back to Georgia Southern, that have gone into correct. the NFL, that's a that's a big thing that you can say. Regardless of whatever system that it is that you want to How run, how much time is he going to have to develop? Just like recruiting, Cody. Like when you're head coach, there's so many other. Yeah, things but don't that you think he can sit there with. and he knows who needs to be the running back coach that he can that's going to develop him the same that way he, he hope did. so. Yeah, so you hope so. so but again, again that, that, the the risk you take with that is like, especially bringing in an assistant, not a coordinator is the staff that he can build. We said that with Lunsford of when he came in of you know he's going to be he's going to live or die by the staff he builds. And, you know, I think... Now, do I think Del McGee is better positioned to build a higher quality staff than what Lunsford was? Absolutely. 
hundred percent. Absolutely. Because of the connections, because of like what he's been able to do in his career to this well, point compared and, to and I'll be, I'll be honest with you. When, when we all heard the, the recording of when Fritz told the team that he was no longer going to be the head coach, right? We all heard him say that, that Del McGee was going to be the interim coach and that he, that he said that Del McGee should be the next head coach leading us into it. And he should have. And he should And, and I want to make that point clear. Not, he should have, but that ship has sailed. I don't know if that ship sailed. I think he may have. I think he probably has been in, on the UGA staff and has gotten even better as a coach. I don't think his ship has sailed. I would not be upset if, for us, it has. He, That's what I'm saying. That ship for us has sailed. I'm not saying Del McGee will probably turn into a really good coordinator or a really good head coach, maybe both. Right, um, in in a few years, right, in a few years' time. I'm not even saying he's not ready now. I just I just don't think that's the best fit for the amount of money. I just think it's a big risk. Is, is the is the only risk because he hasn't been a coordinator or head coach somewhere? Is that is that really what's No, hard? the risk is the money. If we if we could get him like we would have to pay him a million dollars, I think. I really do. We'd have to pay him a million dollars. And that's a huge risk and burden that we take on of something a, a huge gamble that just might not pay out. And well, I get I it's a gamble no matter what. Bohannon's a gamble. Like you know, like you get you know, uh, Casey Keller at, at at Sam Houston State would be like any get, any head coaching hire is a gamble. I get it, but like getting Adele McGee, it's a bigger gamble than getting a proven head coach, even if it's at the I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm gonna have to to disagree with you on on Del McGee on that one. I w- I would be I would be through. I think I would be pleasantly happy and thrilled that if he if he was to be the head coach. I don't know. I mean, we know we know uh, you know Banco's connections with Georgia. They weren't really there, as far as I know. At the same time, it doesn't seem like right. Um, obviously, that but the run in the same circles. Maybe you know know a lot of the same people. Obviously, I'm sure he's heard his name a ton from our fan base yeah. and big donors and things like that. Um, you know, I I would not be surprised if his name services as a as an actual candidate and not just like you know uh, journalists grasping at straws because of the connections of you know, um, which is what it is right now. So I I would not be surprised if he's not being considered you know behind closed doors. But I just I think he wouldn't be my first choice. He would not be, you know, or, or even my second or third. Like he, he just wouldn't because of those factors. If we could get him, if we could make the contract work where it made sense and there was incentives to kind of like earn it and prove yourself, then I'd be fine with it. I don't think that's going to be the case. If I was Del McGee, I wouldn't accept that. So, you know, it's just, I, 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 I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah, I think we'll it would have to come down to how how eager is he to be a head coach? Is that something that he wants to do? Um, Don't you think though, if if in in a year, two, three, he'll have an opportunity somewhere? Yeah, I hope like, it's here. <laughs> <laughs> but but like even even if it's, I mean, look, everybody on li- that staff, the likelihood of going of going from like a running backs coach to a P five head coaching job is probably unlikely. But like he could get another group of five job. He could potentially get like a more lower tier power five job if that's what he wanted and probably get more money in the in uh, in the process. But like I, I don't like he's going to have his opportunities. I want to make that clear. Like I'm not selling him short, but I just think it's a 
big risk. And I, if I'm Jared Banco, I don't take that risk. He, to me, I think he would no doubtly be the the best recruiter that we could bring in as far as head coach recruiting wise with yeah, ties to but all we've the high proven schools. that that doesn't he it's been I think he time has time better ties that, that I think result. I think he would I think it'd be better I think it'd do then then Lunsford yeah sure but like so what so we're winning eight games a year instead of seven Ah, uh, you know it's gonna be bad. I, look, I I like Dale McGee a lot. I I really do. I, I can't. I'm not gonna sit here and say that I don't. Um, I just think to me, he, it's just a better fit. I think he has. I just to me, he just looks like he he would. He's developed more. He's been under pretty much under the Kirby Smart coaching tree now for four or five years at this point. Um, you know he's had to learn a lot. He's he understands what it takes. To be Let, a great let's flip program. around. If you're if you're him, do you care? I mean, you were here two years. You know, it's it, it's funny. Like again, how our fan base lies. No, no, he people. may not care. He may not have any interest in the job, and that's okay yeah, too. Like people talk about like Brent Davis, and people talk about uh, Ivan Jasper, and all these people. Like, yeah, they were here, but like they don't care. You know, like if you think and like Jeff Munkin, yes, he he has said that like he considers like Georgia Southern a home or second home, right? But like most coaches, and and Lunsford said that, right, right. Like he, even though it wasn't his alma mater, he kind of felt like it was. That's not common. So especially, you know, just two years and fourteen and fifteen. I mean, I I don't. I I think we have we're infatuated with him more than he is with us. Maybe, um, maybe. But I we think. don't know that. I mean, we don't. And you're right. He may not have any interest in in the job, and and that's okay too. If he doesn't want to, then then that's fine. Um, but I think he could be very very successful. And again, I think a lot of the points that you made as far as it being a risk with the salary and the money, you're right. But those conversations goes both ways, right? If he's interviewing for the job, the AD is going to probably ask, okay, who are you going to? Who's going to? Who would you have built your staff? What would your staff look like? How how would you build this program going forward? And those questions have to be asked, right? Like he can't just be picking off like random offensive coordinators, defense coordinators that we know he right. has no idea that he can bring in. You know, we have to the committee and and whoever's involved in the hiring process has got to ask those tough questions as to who you're going to bring in. And that's my larger thing that I'll get in. We'll get into in a future episode. But as far as like quality, yeah, like. Ideally, I would love to have a proven head coach. That's obviously easier said than done. You're either getting a proven winner at the FCS level, right, a Willie Fritz that you're bringing in, or you get a fired head coach, you know, at, at the P5 or maybe even G5 level that's coaching P5 previously or whatever, right, um, or even a coordinator maybe that's had previous head coaching experience and maybe it worked out, maybe it didn't, maybe somewhere in between. And you bring them in, right? So, like, for a, a program in the position that we're in, that's basically your options. Um, so, you know, you, you get a Butch Jones, um, you get a Terry Bowden, you get a Willie Fritz or a, a Shane Womack. Like, that's that's basically our options. So, um, you know, Del McGee, I don't know. It's just a big risk. It is. Um, I, I, I can see that it is a risk. Um, but if you're telling me is, am I going to, would I rather have him over like a 
SEC coordinator that's, uh, you know, a, a Lebby or even like a Bryles. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I'd, I'd say it's close. It's like super close. So like, let, let's just set like the table, right? I'm not, I'm not saying like that it's, that I'm like so against it, but like, it's, it's just, I, I, I put him on the same level as, as that. Like I'll, I'll give the coordinators a little bit more since, you know, it's obviously a, a higher position, um, game management and stuff's a little bit different game planning's a little bit different, but like it's, that's a huge risk too. You know, we, everyone's rumored because of Banco's connections, right? Go after SEC coordinator yeah. or former SEC coordinator. You're still talking 800 plus a million dollars. And I'm not, I'm not saying that like, let's be cheap and not fork out the money, but let's make a good investment. No, no. Right? That's, so that's, like if, and I think, I think yeah. Jerry Binko will do that. I think, yeah. I, and here's the thing that I don't want. I, I know that the football head coach is the most critical one, the one that everybody wants to, to voice their opinion on. But kind of let's go back through our 80s history, short history here of hiring head coaches in other sports. I think the basketball head coach has been a, a home run coach. I know that last year's season wasn't as great, but if you start to really look at all the obstacles that Coach Berg had to overcome to even have a 500 record, it's pretty remarkable. Um yeah. Look at the women's golf coach that he just hired. Women's golf team has been doing great in their fall season. Um, and they are posting, I think, it feels like every other tweet is, this so-and-so has a new low score. The team has a new overall low score. And you can see they're trending in the right direction. Um, the softball coach that we just hired was an excellent softball coach at Georgia Tech who, who stopped mm-hmm. um, and is now getting back into the collegiate game. Yeah, went in the private sector. Yeah, and so... I look down to me, the track record so far of head coaches that he's hired in other sports have been very, very good. I don't think that when I'll be very shocked if by the end of this process that we're all left saying, Oh my gosh, what just happened? I think everybody's going to be correct. Yeah. No, I trust Jeremy. This is insane. I don't. Yeah. But, and even look, even if it's, if, if Jared Benko ends up selecting Del McGee, I'm going to trust him. Right. Like I, I think he's proven enough where like we at least owe him that right now does that mean that i'm ecstatic about the hire no but like i'm gonna give it a chance but like i'm yeah have him on a do not hire list or uh, this would be a disappointing or anything like that i think that it would be um and i think that he could i guess i should rephrase of of a do yeah, and that and that's true. So I, I would say my one and three, right? Bohane and I'll reveal one in a second, are like do not do not hire. So Del McGee, it was more of like the flavor of the week kind of deal, right? It was more like the names that you're hearing that it's like, look, let's look beyond this. Cause in my opinion, we're just well, we're I think, bigger. I than, think right? you're, we talk about it being a national yeah. search. Let's stop talk let's st- stop resurfacing the same retreads. That and, we hear that makes, over and over that and over, sense. and the Ivan Jaspers, yeah. the Brent Davis, the Brent Prize. Like, and that makes sense. to me the and only like, difference is yeah. is that with Georgia being not just a national power, but has a very good shot of winning the national championship. Yeah, that they probably won't. that 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 Dale McGee is not a retread. That it's now if we're going to take somebody off of a national championship staff, let's that's that's not you know that's not a terrible move to make, especially one that you know has history here has can recruit the state of Georgia 
See, I well, think, I think I think that's yeah. Recruit recruit Georgia. I think it's the history here, right? Because again, it's just two years. Yes, they were two very good, successful years, and our most successful of being FBS program, yeah. right? But it and and that's something to be said. But it was still just two years. So I think to me, it's more of like let's go get this guy who's been a winner everywhere he's been, even if he doesn't have the head coaching experience or coordinator experience at the collegiate level been successful in high school and was a part in an assistant head coach at UGA and, you know, maybe they're national champions and all this coach, all these running backs. Like it's, it's to me, it's less about the connection, right? I, I think that's the, thing. like people, the majority of our fan base wants them because they want what they didn't get. That's in 2015 that's a, that's a, and got yeah. Tyson Summers instead. It's right. almost that's like if we hired that him, I think that we, bothers we, me. That's the thing that bothers yeah. me about it. It's like we're trying to correct a wrong. It's not about correcting a wrong. It's about making the right now. hire. Yeah, that's right. And 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 I trust Jared Banco to make the right hire. So if it ends up being Del McGee, then I will say, okay, like I think that he did his due diligence and made the right hire, and you know, crossed his T's, dotted his eyes, right, and like. Here we are, and this is the best candidate, and it was a true national search. We looked far and wide, and this is the guy, and he truly believes it. I will give him the benefit of the doubt and move forward, right? But, like, our fan base wants Del McGee because he should have been the guy in 2015, and instead we hired an unproven you know, coordinator <laughs> from UCF that, that was, like, interim yeah defensive coordinator the, the, the decision of, of a really good football yeah, the program decision, and then did nothing at Colorado true. State and yeah the football program yeah the decision teams. should have been between Del McGee or Jamie Chadwell at that whoever and but Correct. that didn't happen yes but um no. but you're right and either right. one I think, obviously I think would have been better the off. knee-jerk reaction to hire coach McGee is is to again I think that makes a valid point is to correct what what happened back in 2016 and obviously you can't go back in time and correct a mistake which anyone in our program don't care like like anyone like actually in the the fan base does the players don't right they don't they're not yeah we got Del McGee finally right they don't know (laughs) Del McGee like he's not going to come in and instantly earn their respect you know, not because he was here in 2015, not because he was under uh, Fritz or because he won us the bowl game, right? He, he's not coming in to coach Upshaw and, and Ellison, right? Right? It, it, it's not about their approval, so they don't they don't know him. And like, it, like, does he get cred for coming from UGA? Possibly coming from winning a national championship? Maybe a little bit, but like, you know, like, so so that's my thing is like the connection of the program for the for the people that actually matter. Um, which are the the coaches that he'll bring in if he gets hired, and for the team that he inherits, it doesn't it doesn't matter that 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 he was here and 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 you know for two years and fourteen and fifteen. So anyway, um, all right, number one, we've we've we've, we've moving really... on. Number one, Paul Johnson, <laughs> Paul Johnson, Paul Johnson's number one, dumbest dumbest thing. Like it, it w- just would. <laughs> I mean, it, again, goes off the same theme that, that we were kind of talking about, but like times 10 of the Del McGee effect, let's call it, right? Of like going to the retread, going to the, the tried and true, trying, yeah, grasping at tra- straws for the glory days, right? You're talking about bringing in, I mean, it's not, you know, 
Brian Bohannon could be, you know, a, a Jeff Munkin 2.0, maybe. maybe. I mean, I, I say I love Jeff Munkin. But, like, you know, he like he is a coach while he's from that tree. You know, again, he was able to establish a program from the ground up. Bringing him in from a coaching standpoint, I think, okay, cool. He can recruit. He can do all these things. But I don't want him for the reasons I stated because of the offense he runs. Paul Johnson, you're literally removing all of the code. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're bringing a guy. He's, you know, first off, I don't think he's interested. I, I just don't. Um, he's happy being retired. He's happy playing golf every day. Right. But if, if he ever came back, I could see him coming back to us. I just don't want it to happen. It's proven that he doesn't like to recruit. You know, he, he doesn't like all the politics and stuff that goes into it. He, you know, I, I, I think Jared Banco is a, 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 you know, he's a no nonsense guy, but I think he's fairly easy to get along with certainly more than like a TK. We know how Paul Johnson feels about <laughs> TK and he never worked for him. No, he never worked for him. So like, you know, we, we know he, he, I think there's a, I mean, deep, he's, he's a hard headed guy. A deep love for the school with lunch, but I think there's also one here from, for Pete, from Paul Johnson. Right. Um, so I, I mean, I, and rightly yeah. so. I'm not saying don't like. I mean, erect a statue for no, the man. That, yeah, that's but true. like, you know, for real, like, like erect a statue for him on on you know wherever irks not, <laughs> you know. But like, like it's it it's it, I'm I'm good with that. I'll go. I'll take a selfie with it. But like, it's it's he he doesn't need to actually be on the sidelines anymore. If he's on the sidelines, he needs to be in brass. Yeah. No. Right? no. <laughs> like it's it's just now, the yeah. only thing I would say to that is I would not. Um, I would not be upset if he's on some sort of the search committee to help. I think, I think I'm that would that. be as a long, good as long as he doesn't stronghold us to. Yeah, and I don't think he would. If, if, I mean, it's yeah. been rumored and um that he's been even that he back in the day that he consulted with Urban Meyer when he was at Ohio State to kind of revolutionize mm-hmm. that offense as well as the Baltimore Ravens offense. There's been um, rumors that he has that he was one of the main consultants on having to to change kind of their offense around for, to their kind of more run dominant offense that you see that they've had the last few years with Lamar Jackson and and their running backs. Um, so I, you know, just a football minded guy. He, I think he still has it, but I'm with you. I think you know. I think he probably really enjoys retirement. Um, we know kind of the recruiting aspect of that that he's not a big fan of it. But I think for me, if he's on the search committee, um, or is one of the guys advising Ad Binko or Jared Binko on how on who to hire, I would be perfectly okay with that. Yeah, no, and that and that's fine. Yeah, as long as he's not like that loyal to we we all like. I mean, people were saying, "Oh, he'll, he'll come in." Like, yeah, there was a rumor that like Munkin's coming back, which I also think is ludicrous, right? Like. <laughs> Um, I, I, I just don't see that happening, but, um, you know, if, if, and if he came back, he'd be willing to like adapt the offense. I don't think Paul Johnson would. I wouldn't I want them would. to, like, like, if um, Munkin, as a, as like let's coach. just say, let's just right. say that rumor has a, an ounce of life to it. If Munkin did come back, I would not want him to try to change the offense up. I don't want him to try to reinvent himself now that he's been coaching for, um, a decade plus now in the same system. Um, but I agree with you. I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's, that's going to be the case. I would, I would be floored. The podcast that we would have, if that happened to be the case would just be 
us just with our jaws open, not saying anything for an hour, and then saying "Hail Southern" and leave. Um, but I, I don't know. I, to me, just the overall how this all kind of went down it had just had me thinking that it was it was really quick to to get rid of Lunchford after the the one and three start, even with the incident on the school bus. Um, that happened prior to the Louisiana game. Um, you know, you talk to a lot of, I've talked to a lot of football fans out, you know, that are outside the Georgia Southern realm and they really kind of question it. Like how can a group of five school just kind of drop a head coach after four games into a season? That's not going to really look good, um, from an outsider's perspective and, and may dampen kind of who comes in as your, your, your coaching search who you want. Um, I think, that our athletic director has had to have had some sort of, and this is just me speculating, some sort of hint that maybe somebody on his already short list was interested in our job if it ever came open, right? I think every athletic director probably has a short list of 5, 10, 15 head coaches that they would probably want to have run their football program. Um, and probably right. when all the shenanigans took place, as top of the the bad start on top of the um sluggish offense and 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 just really just offensive mediocrity that we've seen for the last two three seasons um i think it was kind of easy for binko to kind of move forward so i'm quite curious and of course we'll never know this if if that happened to be the case, if he got word that hey so and so that's already on my top five, he had an yeah, ace or, or yeah, it's not an ace, yeah, like yeah, that that somebody he that he wanted that he had in the back of his mind that wanted to be the coach, which is why I'd be surprised if it's Delma. It's certainly yeah, not Paul Johnson. Yeah. I I would be floored. I would be absolutely floored if it's Paul Johnson. Um, but I I don't think it's even Delma McGee, even with like the Georgia connections and stuff. Like right, I mean I like. It's it's probably going to be, if that is the case, and it's like, look, I have someone that's interested, um, you know, really interested, it's probably either a current or former SEC coordinator, mm-hmm. probably, um, of which I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't want to speculate at this point, but like, that's probably what it is if that's the case. Um, it's not a Paul Johnson. It's probably not a Brian Bohan, and, and it's, you know. Yeah, I would just be. Really, not like, likely not to say that we didn't hire or, or interview these coaches, but I would just be really surprised if we actually did go back to the triple option. I just don't think that that is yeah. the overall, and that's the larger thing for is the like football all, program. All the things that come with, yeah. So the Brent Davises, right? The Ivan Jaspers, the like all this. I mean, again, there was the rumor circulating around that that Munkins wanting out of Army it was the like. I don't know I if don't I buy know, into yeah. it. But that that he's wanting out for whatever reason, and you know, obviously he was considered for like South Carolina, Vanderbilt was like rumored to maybe be looking at him for Kansas his, for their head coaching one. job. Um, Kansas was another one that was looking, which that would have been just a terrific hire. Um, but in in Vanderbilt too, I, I think Van, like Vanderbilt or Kansas would have been, and and that's 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 a perfect example of some. You go, you install that, you win six games and get them to a bowl game. By running an unconventional offense that the you know they're not used to seeing, um, either in the Big Twelve or the SEC, and like they're static. Like imagine you know Vanderbilt. Like remember Vanderbilt when with, with uh, yeah. James Franklin, right? I mean yeah. So like in in Kansas, yeah. Um, so 
yeah, I like, I just, I don't see that. I don't see it. I, now that is one. If we were going to do the flex, I know the rumor was that if he came, he'd evolve the offense. He'd, you know, either bring in or, you know, a, a different offensive coordinator that ran something more modern, still option based, obviously, but like not try and true Academy flex bone. Right. Um, if I just I don't see him doing that with us, like I could see him doing that with South Carolina with Vanderbilt. With, well, that's the that's the um, argument, Kansas. right? That the the those power fives won't take the risk to let him develop that there. So the thought is that he could come here and show how it could work, and then jump ship to something. Like, look, I'm yeah. a good coach. I can run. I'm not just stuck. Yeah, I'm 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 not just pigeonholed in this yeah. one outdated quote unquote you know high school offense, right? Um, yeah. And, 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 and it's the case. And, and that's the thing out of everyone we've mentioned, heck, including Paul Johnson at this point in his career, Jeff Munkin is the best head coach we've mentioned on the, like in this episode so far. Like, I mean, you know, with, without a doubt, um, more than Fritz, you know, um, and again, more than what Paul Johnson would be at this point in his career. Um, he, he is a terrific head coach. So if he could and was willing to adapt the offense into something more modern and hire the right coordinators to run it, right, and assistant coaches to run it, I would be ecstatic for that. I just don't think it's even in the realm of possibility. But What do we know? Yeah. We don't know, so, I think. Yeah, what do we know? Yeah, we're just podcasting. <laughs> we are. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and relationship therapists and weather and, and master mechanics and meteorologists yep. and yeah. So um with that, let's turn to Georgia State. Um Rivalry so, Week. <laughs> I mean basically, yeah. So <laughs> spoiler alert. So um so a year ago, uh maybe I guess not to I don't know when we played them, but like a year ago on this podcast, we had the debate of whether or not um, this was a rivalry. And I was in the camp that I thought we settled this. Um, <laughs> we, I don't know if we, yeah, we I thought I, I won the argument pretty look, convincingly. You, you uh, well, it, it came around, <laughs> it grew on me. So, like, the. <laughs> The the thing is, is I I think I was in denial. I, like I, I think I part part of me was in denial, and I think the reason why is that you know with I mean, we talked about like our individual definitions of the rivalry, and everyone's gonna there's not like any like one true definition, I guess, right? Everyone's gonna have like different factors and caveats in there, um, but I think mo I speak for most of the fan base when I say that. Largely, we don't want to consider Georgia State a rival, right? And we don't want to consider them a rival because of off-the-field factors, their lack of fan base, their lack of passionate fans, their lack of attendance, um, been more (laughs) (laughs) trolling people online, that stupid train horn, um, them playing in a, a, a rundown Turner Field, um, the fact that they have no history of, of real winning success or, or championships or anything like that, right? That's why we don't want to give them that respect. And the argument I made last year was that that's a layer in a rivalry, right? That with App State, we hate them, we severely dislike them, but there is a respect there 
deep down, right? Somewhere deep down, there's there's a mutual respect there. Um, we don't really have that as a fan base for Georgia State, and rightly so. But respect's not necessarily a part of rivalries, right? And and, and that's what like I've come to kind of like <laughs> find out, I guess, through this whole thing. And um, with with this, you know, obviously rivalries are built um, over time and you can't force it. And we've seen rivalries try to get forced with like UCF and UConn come to mind, <laughs> right? The civil, the civil conflict. Civil conflict. <laughs> um, and I was in Orlando when that, when that happened and I had the newspaper at the time and it was so ridiculous, but it's, it's it's getting it is it's a rivalry right it's getting to the point it's a rivalry and it's it's about being on like what happens on the field they own the series four to three right and to me as i thought about this today it got in debates with fans (laughs) about it um it's a rivalry again it is built it's about what happens on the field it's about things that happen off the field the trolling but it's not necessarily about respect. It can be. But the other layer to it, in addition to just like a pure dislike, even hatred for the other program, is an obsession with that program. And like it or not, we are obsessed with Georgia State. And they are with us. And they are with us. And that makes more sense of why they would be with us. Because they need to be Right. I mean, they're new. They're latching on. They're trying to establish themselves. They came in, you know, as a infant program with no true rival made sense that we would be their rival being in state. Right. But like um, we we could have done certain things where we just like. Passed them by. And a big part of that is dominating on the field, yeah. right? If we're seven and zero, if this is a situation with like South Alabama, right, where they just got their first win against us a week and a half ago, right? Since since we joined FBS, or you know that was the all time we were seven and zero all time against them. Um, if if that was the case, and we were going in this game seven and zero, I don't think we're really having this debate. Um, of whether or not they're a rival. But unfortunately, they own the series four to three. They get it under our skin. Bit more gets under our skin. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, i.e. the entire family. It's not just kidding. Uh, but, like, uh, it's, 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 it's certain things where, like, uh, that's happened. And we've also pressed the situation, right? We've, 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 we've... Yeah, I was gonna say I yeah. was kind of gonna disagree with you if it was seven and zero, it it's, it wouldn't be a rivalry. I think it still would based on the very first matchup that we had with them. You know, when you go, I think that would have died down though. But yeah, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I was gonna say no, I don't think so because I think we would have made a point to have beat them worse every year. You know, we went into their place in 2014. We made it a point as a fan base to not only outnumber their fans, which we knew that we could easily do, but to make sure that everybody in that football stadium knew that 95% of the people in that stadium were Georgia Southern fans. We did a whiteout. The whole thing was white. You go back and look at the pictures. Every person is wearing a white shirt. 
Um, yeah, fifteen thousand. I mean, we're chaining whose house out or our house whose house. We're chaining Georgia Southern back and forth. The whole place was raucous. The whole place was wanting to see this absolute annihilation that was going to happen. And guess what? It happened. French Company made sure it happened. They ran that score up, sixty-nine points. We made sure of it. If they could have scored three more touchdowns, they probably would have tried their best to do it. And I'm pretty sure they were probably trying to put 100 on the board that day. No doubt in my mind, they were probably trying to put 100 on the board that day if they could. Um, And then we ended by unveiling the sign that says Paulson Stadium North. Um, At that point, when that that sign came out, and everybody cheered, and we all took the pictures, and we all laughed, and we all had a great time. At that point, that solidified it as a rivalry. I don't whether we wanted whether it or whether not. Whether we wanted it or not, yeah. that that's we were that's, writing our own history we of of you know this this like like you said, if if we end up winning the next six, or we end up what actually happened, the or, or losing the next three right yeah. after two thousand fourteen, lost the next three games from fifteen to seventeen. Yep. So like obviously we couldn't have predicted that. We certainly didn't think at the time that was going to be the case. No. Um, we thought Willie Fritz would still be the coach. We never thought we would he- have heard the name of Tyson Summers. Or make right? a hire um, that bad. Make a hire that bad, right? And, and like, so, but but here we are. And, and like, when you do, when you take actions like that, you have to live with the consequences. <laughs> and yeah. and the consequence, like, we knew what we were doing. I, I, I buy in less to your first two points of running up the score and, and the attendance, I think that obviously we know the fan base, the alumni presence we have in, in the Atlanta metro area. Um, but that's know, part of it. It's I, part I of showing it, it, it the is, state why, that why we were we are doing so it, right? much exactly. better than they are. Yeah. It's to show yeah. the state that we have a much more passionate fan base than they do. It's to rub it in their face that nobody cares. Yeah, you could have 50,000 students that are half nighttime students. You're right. It's the point of saying nobody cares about your school when you go there. I mean, we have two high school guys that we went through. That one that played on the baseball team. If you go look at their Facebook pages, it's all his is all about Alabama football, and the other guy's all about Ohio State football. They yeah. don't. They're they come in every now and then. Oh, that's great, win Georgia State, whatever. But it's they are more when it's convenient. Yeah. yeah, when it's convenient. But they're you know more allegiance to other other schools. So. It's the it's the point of saying that our well, fans go obsession. there. And, obsession. To me, to me, yeah. you had said that they're obsessed with us. I mean, obviously, we have a bigger and, and more passionate fan base than that they do. No question about it. Um, but I would say we're far more obsessed with them than they are with us. Like we wanted to prove that point. We wanted to rub it in early on, and then now there's just a lot of salt in the wound. From you know them ripping off three straight wins from fifteen to seventeen. Yeah. I mean, their four wins have been brutal. I mean, let's be honest with you. Yeah. We had the collapse last year. Largest largest loss in Paulson yeah. Stadium history in in two thousand fifteen. You know, Monk or uh, Monk and, uh, Fritz announces that he's leaving for Tulane. We lose thirty four to seven. Right. I mean, it oh, just, the rumors yeah. that that is, maybe his his son had had helped them in some ways didn't help either. Yeah. Um. So no, again, it's yeah, that was a terrible week. Um, and then you look at sixteen and seventeen, you know, the terrible. You know, they jumped out to the big lead and we fought back in sixteen, I think. But again, it's too little, too late. 
Yeah, 34 to 24, and then 21 to 17 and, and 17, which was under Lunsford as the interim, right, when, when yep. he took over. And that one was um, that one was lost because we had three fumbles. Yeah. Um, one at the very beginning of the game that led to them scoring a touchdown, and then two late fumbles in the fourth quarter that led to them uh, – led to their, I think all 21 of their points were off with uh, three fumbles. Um, so, honestly, I think the worst loss so far to them of the four – has been last year, has has been twenty twenty. You could certainly argue fifteen and and that loss in Paulson. I think fifteen because but we were so much better, and that let them go we bowling were. for the first time, True. which was you know again another thing that was ridiculous. Um, was that they were even you know in the conversation of going to a bowl game, um, and we had a chance to stop that. We did, and and we I did. I think it. last year was just that. So I was there, so I, I'm sure that made it worse, right? I mean, I was there. With was my that dad when the best got let go? Was after that game, or was it after the Army game? That was. I think that was after this game, after the state. The Georgia State game was after the Army game. Okay, he got let go after Georgia State. Okay, and that was the that was the game where Wirtz went out, Tomlin went in at the end, threw an interception to end it. Yeah, but um, we, we let the league collapse, and we we collapsed. Yeah. yeah. We were, we had it. Yeah. And, and yeah, so that, that one, I mean, again, recent memory. So, I mean, that's why it's such a bad taste, but yeah, that, that's the, to, to me, in addition to just hating a program or having a severe dislike for a program, it's, it's that obsession with the program, right? I mean, Michigan's obsessed with Ohio state. Ohio state is obsessed with Michigan, Florida and Georgia obsessed with each other. Like they're always looking, pointing, laughing when they like, do bad but you know like it's it's it, 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 yeah and, that, and that, rivalries can have different feels to them right like our yeah. rivalry with app state is a much different feel they're not than, all created than, equal, than the rivalry right. with that Georgia has state. the respect i talked about that like yeah. i believe that that app state and georgia southern we can talk with the black and gold podcast guys right and and they'll say like they hate us they hate us but like deep down there is that respect there and they're yeah. and like they moved up conference, you know, moved up divisions with us, and we're happy to do so. And I mean, you know, it's it's. Yeah. But, and if you were to ask so, us yeah. when we were in college, you know, like in '05 through '09, our biggest rival back then was Furman. Furman. In fact, App way, State way more than way more than App, more than way App more than State. Than and in fact, App State, when we came into college in 2005, App State hadn't won anything at that point. So. To us at that point, it was really firm, and, and yeah, you had this conference foe that you've been playing for a long time um, up in Boone and had cheated to get their playoff win over Irk Russell um, and were really just a whole bunch of drunken hillbillies that you didn't want to have anything to do with. But yeah. they they didn't become really our big rival until we jumped up to really FBS, to be honest with you, uh, I would say or no. Maybe would say maybe 2007. Oh I yeah, mean, I, when we beat them at the Rock. Yeah, I would yeah, say yeah, well, yeah. 2006 they beat Michigan. Yeah, and then 2007 we beat them up there at the Rock. Um, no, that was all the same beat, year. Oh, same year. No, yeah, same yeah. year. Yeah, we we beat them at the Rock the year in the, they beat Michigan. Yeah. In the craziest yeah, so football year of all time, in 2007. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I I would say 2007 is when that really. Uh, really happened um but and then later on you know we beat them when they're number one again under monkey yeah um at, at paulson's so yeah I, you're I right would, that yeah, that really started to to fester during that and then of course it went to another well, level dates back much further right 
um, in the FCS days. And, and well, that's who we beat um, first to win our first, you and, know, national championship. They beat us for their only. Yeah, they beat us for their only national championship. Yep. So, um, so yeah, it, uh, you know, the, this 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 uh, concept that you can only have one rival is ludicrous, right? I mean, that that's that's so dumb. I mean, obviously. Like or Georgia that it has, has to take thirty or, years to develop before there's anything, or, or that has to take a long year, yeah, a long time to develop. I mean, obviously, I think the longer it builds, you know, the the more you know um, it gets. But again, it is it's different levels. Like we're not saying that it's equal ground to an App State or even a Furman who we haven't played since our FCS days, but it's 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 still there. You know, yeah. it's still developing. And it bleeds into and, other and sports. Like you said, I mean, look at basketball. Does. I mean, they've been a big rival of basketball. How many times has the Sun Belt Championship come down between yeah, I us think, and them? I think they're a bigger I think they're a bigger rival in basketball, men's basketball, than they are in football. I do. But I still think they're a rival in football. Does that mean they're a rival in baseball? No. Their baseball team's terrible. You know, ours is usually pretty good. And and here we are. You know, you've got other sports. You know, I'm not going to go down the list, but like it's it, it, just because you're a rival doesn't mean that you know UNC and Duke. I mean, yeah, they they don't like each other when they face on the football field, but like it's much more heated when they face on the court. Yeah, you know, like it's it's uh, so it's I don't know. It, I was pretty it happy when, when our volleyball team beat them. Like I really yeah, was. It, like like right. You know, I know that volleyball isn't the most popular sport, but. It, I think when we're going through and we're looking at results, you can say, "Oh, golf team. Oh, yep, they finished like, see, like 100 that, strokes." And that proves it because state, you never you, know? you never say that against Troy. No, you don't. Right? You never say that against South Alabama. You never say, "Oh, we beat them in women's volleyball or we beat them in women's golf or yeah. we beat them in, you know, whatever." Like it it yeah, it's just not the case where um again goes back to that obsession like that the obsession transcends sports the rivalry doesn't necessarily um but like it's the the more that obsession is there the more it builds up the rivalry mm-hmm. like that's you know um and and that's the thing is like I, I and i i think that's where that denial came from last year when we had the debate is i don't want it to be there right i i don't want them to be relevant enough where we're like Cause that's what they want. That's what the Ben Moores of the world wants, you know, like they, they, they want to be that, that presence that we're always talking about and that we're always worried about and that we're always griping about. Right. Yeah. And like, I wish they were as irrelevant as we want them to be, but unfortunately they're not. Mm-mm. Nope. They're four and three against us in football. So, you know, um, it's going to be tough to make it four and four. I tell you that. So, so only team in the, you know, uh, they have a winning record against us, obviously. Um, only FBS team. They have a winning record against, <laughs> um, they Sounds own so us terrible. at home. They own us at home two and one against us at home in Paulson. Um, only team with a winning record against us in Paulson. And we got to even the series. We got to even the series, both at home. And uh, overall, okay. You know, so and, and I think I think this is a valid question. After the performance that we saw against South Alabama, yeah, it's gonna be tough. Is <laughs> is is this team motivated to finish out the final five games of the season? Not if we don't treat them as a rival. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So, so th- that's the thing. Is like, yes, I I think the fact that you know they they came off of a, a, a tough game against uh, Texas State. You know, they went twenty eight to sixteen um, in front of maybe fifteen hundred fans, two thousand fans in converted Turner Field. Um, you know, it 
I don't know. I, I think for us, it's it's how motivated are we going to get, right? What what did we learn from that bye week, um, the long bye week, right, extended bye week, get two weekends off? Um, how did we come together? What was Coach uh, Whitley able to implement? Did he implement anything? That was the time to, if he was going to make any kind of, don't want to say wholesale changes, but just like major changes, shifts in personnel, shifts in offense, shifts in defense, that's when you do it, right? That's when you try to, to do something different. That's going to be interesting to see, you know, uh, what, what, what team runs out of the tunnel. What team do we see? Mm-hmm. Um, we see the press conference, you know, here on, on Monday when we're recording this um, of, of the entire team, you know, or at least the representatives, right, um, of the team um, saying, well, they're not a rival, and that's fine. You call them whatever you want to call them. Just, just be, motivated be ready to, beat to play. Them. Yeah, be ready to play and be motivated to beat them. I don't care yeah. what you classify them as. Y'all may like, not want to consider it a rival, but a lot of people in the fan base want us to annihilate them. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you treat this like, you know, <laughs> like uh, South Alabama, and and we lose again, like we did against South Alabama, then you're gonna have, you know, yeah, yeah, you just, you're gonna have you just, a lot just, of upset fans. Yeah, you just think the fans have been upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, and and again, yeah, another point of why why it's a rival. Like more, I'm not saying people weren't upset after 41 to 14 on national TV against Jaguars, but. We lose 41-14, especially in Paulson, against Georgia State. And, I mean, it's it's a lot worse, right? A lot worse. And that right there proves it. So, yeah, I mean, again, you can you can tell yourself what you want. Maybe you're just saying that to save face or whatever it is right in front of the media, um, not giving them what they want. And behind closed doors you think something different. That's fine. But just come out, be motivated, be fired up. And, and want to, like, pound this team in the dirt, right? Have that intensity on the offensive line. Um, and, you know, we know they struggle against a run. We know, you know, if we can actually get some option going. <laughs> yeah, uh, something you know, going. Something going, right? Um, I think I saw we were, like, 123rd or something in the country in total offense. Uh, um, whoever comes in has a lot to fix, that's for yeah. sure. Um I think to the fan base, come out and show out. Um, I know Game Four of the World Series is going to be on. I I, I get it. Um, hopefully, hopefully they'll flip the game on on the big screen at some point. Um, yeah. But I think the fan presence at the stadium. What's is, the overlap of that? The games that what? Uh, uh, I know that World Series starts at um, eight, but. I just assumed the game was at six. So we're at six six Eastern. Yeah, the Georgia State game's at six. So the the World Series game is at eight. So you got, I mean, you got at least a half, maybe three quarters. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Don't leave. Don't leave. (laughs) Don't leave. Stream it on your phone. Yeah. Um, especially if it's close. Maybe right? maybe I mean, maybe the athletic department can put up multiple TVs throughout the stadium to where we can watch the game. Um yeah. but no, but I, I the the It's homecoming. It right? is homecoming. I mean, homecoming. Yeah. So fans have gotta come out, support them, let them know that we have their backs. Um and that that, you know, win this game, we'll worry about the rest of the four later, um, against very tough opponents, but win this game and, and then we'll worry about what is it, coastal the following week. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, again, this, it gets down to, is, need, is we it, we need the power of Paul. Yeah, we yeah, do. I mean, uh, the two, two, I mean, two of our three, uh, or, uh, 
sorry, uh, two, what? Um, Four losses. Yeah, two, two of our three games. Yeah, we're we're two and one at home. So yeah. So um, yeah. Come on out, win, and um, you know, we'll have something good to talk about on the podcast next week. Yep. So with that, Cody covered a lot. Yeah, hopefully we can maybe focus a little bit more on on football and uh, the season at hand uh, after a win, and um, you know we'll still obviously talk coaching and all that coach search, but um, yeah, yeah, because I, I doubt anything of any significance comes out until the to the hires made. Um, no, 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 yeah. Considering and, and, the and, the gag order that I think right. <laughs> Jared Binko has has put on on the coaching uh, obviously search. covered covered some good stuff with uh, conference realignment. There'll be maybe some new official announcements, you know, things, official announcements, things to talk about. But yeah, I think we covered that good. Uh, but yeah, I hope uh, you know after this break, hoping to to ride the ship, but get to get to three wins, start talking about football a little bit, get excited for. A really tough slate coming up after Georgia State with, uh, you know, Coastal Carolina possibly still being a ranked team um, coming to Paulson, um, heading on the road to Texas State, hosting BYU on November 20th, possibly ranked team, and then heading to App State and Boone to end the season November uh, 27th, possible ranked team. So, um, you know, you got three uh, three possibly top 25 teams that you're facing here in the final five games. Um Definitely doesn't get any easier, but got to take care of business. Um, and, and, and even the series against Georgia State comes out Saturday. Yep. So with that, Cody, as always, hail Southern. Hail Southern. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gotatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gata Talk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gatatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, Gata and Hail Southern. <laughs>